Welcome to the Josie Bass podcast series. We take listeners beyond the printed page where our authors reveal what motivates and inspires them to write about their groundbreaking ideas. Hello, this is Danny Scoville with Josie Bass, and today I'm talking with Diana McLean-Smith, author of the recently published The Elephant in the Room, How Relationships Make or Break the Success of Leaders and Organizations. Welcome, Diana. Thank you very much, Danny. So how did you come to focus on relationships, and what does focusing on relationships help people do that they can't do by focusing on how individual people behave? It all began about 20 years ago in my work with leaders and executive teams uh, who were trying to make very tough decisions, usually very important strategic decisions around which there was a lot of disagreement. And what I began to notice is that when people would go off into the hallways, they would start to make attributions about one another and uh, call each other names and say somebody was a jerk or just trying to get ahead, jockeying for a position. And there was a lot of focus on the individual personalities in the room. And the more people did that, the more aggravated they became and the more it began to distort their judgment about the business and made it very difficult to make decisions quickly. And so while I was in the room, I began to see less of what they were seeing, which was the personalities of the people, but I saw patterns in how people interacted. So some people would push a view very strongly, other people would counter and push back, some people might withdraw and give up and defer. And so I began to focus on the patterns among the people in the room as opposed to individual personalities. And what I found is that once I did that and began to point out to groups that those patterns existed and that there were things that each person in the room could actually do to interrupt those patterns and to create better patterns, uh, that, that gave people the kind of leverage they needed to have in order to uh, make the kind of progress on the decision-making front that they needed to make. As long as they focused on individual personalities, there was really nothing they could do. They were utterly helpless, and the things escalated and, and, and essentially got nowhere. But as soon as they began to think in terms of patterns of interactions among people and looked at the relationships amongst people, then they had a way they could move forward. And so it, uh, when I began to do that and see what an, uh, an amazing difference that made in terms of speed and quality of decision-making, I figured I was on to something. So how is this approach different from the old adage, don't focus on what others need to change, focus on changing yourself? That's a great question because a lot of times when I talk to people about my work and I talk about the importance of looking at patterns of interaction and, and I advise people not to focus so much on other people's personalities, they say, oh yeah, I know, you shouldn't focus on other people, you should focus on yourself. And it really isn't that that I'm saying. I'm saying it's don't focus either just on yourself or on the other person. Focus on what is the pattern of interaction between the two of you because oftentimes, and there's a lot of research on this uh, recently, which I'll talk about in a second, is that those patterns are either bringing out the best or the worst in people. I think everybody recognizes that they don't behave the same way in all of their relationships. All you have to do is imagine yourself going home to your holiday dinner, walking in the front door and seeing the ritual fight in your family break out. And you you know you're going to act like an idiot. You're going to act like a two-year-old. Whereas when you're with people who uh, you really get along well with, who you've got um, great synergy with and the chemistry is right, you're, you're acting at your best. And so we know intuitively that we don't operate the same way in different relationships, that these different relationships pull on different aspects of us. 
So if you can focus on the patterns of interaction, then you can start to say, are these patterns patterns that are bringing out the worst in the other person or the best in the other person? Are they bringing out the worst in me or are they bringing out the best in me? And once you've figured out that um, and you start to look at the patterns and you know that they're important, there are a set of tools that you can use to analyze those patterns and begin to interrupt the ones that are problematic and bringing out the worst and start migrating them uh, to more productive patterns that bring out the best in people. But aren't other factors, say sound judgment, winning strategy, personality, charisma, more critical to a leader's and an organization's success than relationships? Well, that's something that you know I've thought a lot about over the years because I'm somebody who's collaborated for many years with a strategy firm and worked on strategic decision making and had an opportunity to see leaders of various styles and um, capabilities. And certainly I've seen organizations that do have better or worse strategies and leaders with different personalities. And those things all have an effect on the success of a leader and the success of a firm. There's no question about that. What I've come to see is that um, relationships very often are the success factor that lies behind each of these other success factors. So take judgment, for example. Um, if you're in a relationship with somebody that's quite toxic, uh, two executives who may be in competition with each other and fighting over scarce resources and not handling it well, uh, oftentimes what happens is they start to either withhold information or they start to sell their point of view in a way that they don't quite tell the whole story or they spin it in a particular way. And, and if you get everybody on a senior executive team doing those kinds of things or many of the people on an executive team doing those kinds of things, it's those dynamics start to distort judgment, the, the collective judgment of the group and also the judgment of the chief executive officer. So relationships actually have a big effect on the judgment of a, of a senior leader or a senior team. I've also seen strategy processes completely go awry or uh, reach profoundly uh, wise resolution depending on the relationships in the room uh, for much of the same reasons I just mentioned because information doesn't get on the table or it gets on the table in a skewed way. It's very difficult to make wise strategic choices when the dynamics in the room and the relationships among senior players aren't at their best. And then the last is I, I mentioned some research that's been done re on relationships and, and what a powerful influence they are on people. Well, there are people who have actually um, discovered who are doing research on uh, genetically programmed behaviors. I mean, these are uh, behaviors towards shyness or aggressiveness or competitiveness that have a genetic component. And they've discovered that relationships can even powerfully affect the extent to which those personality traits either get amplified or modified. And these are people who have studied early development of kids, um, as well as watching adults. And uh, it's, it's, so relationships have an enormous effect on our judgment, on our ability to make wise decisions, and even on our personalities. Wow, that's fascinating. Since nonprofit organizations rely on many of the same success factors as for-profits, would you say it's just as important for nonprofit professionals to focus on relationships in the way you explain in the book? Well, it's interesting. When I wrote the book, I was working in the for-profit space, but for the past two years, I've been working at New Profit, which is a nonprofit. We're an organization, national venture philanthropy firm, uh, that mm -hmm. invests in innovative social entrepreneurs who are targeting specific uh, social problems uh, with a really new germ of a great 
idea and taking an entrepreneurial approach. Uh, so I've been working in the nonprofit sector now for a couple of years, and prior to that, I did uh, pro bono work in the nonprofit space. And I believe that a focus on relationships is even more important in the nonprofit sector than in the for-profit. And that's because many people um, in organizations get their sense of meaning and their sense of connection through their relationships. And it's absolutely vital that people, if, if, if they aren't going to be making money, that they be able to feel like they're making a difference and they feel like mm-hmm. they have, they're making meaning. What, what they're doing is meaningful. And there's nothing uh, like a strong relationship to help you to have greater impact. I, I mean, we at New Profit have invested tremendously the last couple of years in building strong relationships, and it's allowed us to really grow our impact exponentially. Uh, we've, we've grown faster, and we've gotten better in terms of the kind of work that we do and the kind of impact that we're having. Uh, but more importantly, or at least equally important, the people who work there now have a really deep sense of connection to the place and a deep um, uh, sense of meaning in their work because uh, they have that connection to these relationships. So if people focus on the role relationships play in shaping behavior, what will happen to notions of personal responsibility? Won't people start saying, don't blame me, my relationship made me do it? Yeah, a lot of people who talk about the importance of thinking systemically, uh, I think, run the risk of uh, diluting a sense of personal responsibility because people can say if it's not an individual, then maybe the system did it or the relationship did it. Uh, and, and there is a way in which what I'm saying is um, something uh, akin to uh, individual behavior can partly be explained by the quality of people's relationships. Uh, and so it turns on its head an idea that I think we all accept, which is that um, individuals are responsible for the relationships they create. So it's kind of funny to hear somebody say relationships are responsible for individual behavior. And I think both are true. And I think we only see the extent to which individuals create problematic relationships through their behavior and and clearly should be held responsible. If you're in a workplace and someone's treating you badly or you're in a bad relationship, that person should be held accountable. Um, But the other thing that I think we need to keep in mind that I think rarely gets addressed is that when it comes to trying to understand why people do what they do, uh, whether it's a division in a company or whether it's a subordinate or it's a boss or it's a person in another part of the organization whose behavior we don't like or we don't find acceptable, it's always wise to ask the question, what is their behavior not only saying about them, but what might it be also saying about me and the Mm -hmm. relationship that we have between us? And that's not a moral statement. That's a, if you want to change it, then you better understand all the factors that are producing the outcome you don't like. And if it's behavioral outcomes you don't like, then you need to understand not only what's going on inside that person, but what's going on around that person and the circumstances they're facing. And one of the most powerful circumstances is your relationship with that person. And this has been something that's been studied for years in social psychology, and that is that we tend to assume that when people behave badly, it's their disposition or their personality that's the root cause, and we underestimate the extent to which it's the circumstance or the situation uh, that also has contributed to the person's behavior. And one of the Mm -hmm. most important circumstances that contributes to people's behavior, again, are, are the relationships that that person has. So it's always important to ask 
what is this person's behavior and the results they're producing? What is it saying not only about them, but what is it saying about me and what is it saying about my relationship with that person? So you make a distinction between two perspectives, what you call the individual and the relational perspective. Can you say a bit about each and how they affect relationships? Most of us take an individual perspective, which I, I think is uh, a product of our historical circumstances um, and our culture, and we like to feel like we all take individual personal responsibility for things. But in addition to that, the individual perspective also uh, tends to uh, believe that I'm right, you're wrong, there's one right view. Uh, if you don't get the view, it's because you don't get it, something's wrong with you. They then start to blame the other person and assume that the other person is at fault. And that's what leads to a lot of stalemates and people unable to make progress on issues, to build the kinds of strong relationships they need in order to get work done or to find their work satisfying. And a relational perspective uh, is, is quite different from that. It says um, each of us might be on to something that the other misses. Uh, we can't, we're not, neither of us is omniscient. Um, we're both able to see some things and we miss others. And the only reason, the only way we will uh, actually learn or uh, make good, steady progress, wise progress on issues is if we accept that there are limitations to each of our views and try to understand each other's views. And when you take that perspective and you disagree, uh, people are more inclined to explore their differences. And when they run into difficulty, they're more inclined to attribute their frustration to the difficulty of the task as opposed to the other person's intransigence. The examples I, I love to use to illustrate this are Winston Churchill and Franklin Roosevelt during World War II, who had very different perspectives and oftentimes were at odds and disagreed quite vehemently. Uh, but they never lost sight of the importance of their relationship. They invested an enormous amount in it. They treated it like a strategic asset, which it was. It allowed them to build a very strong political alliance. A fellow by the name of John Meekham, who wrote a wonderful book called Franklin and Winston, who uh, explores their relationship throughout the war, uh, said, you know, they always kept the relationship and the mission in mind. And they understood that statecraft was an inherently frustrating uh, endeavor. And so when they got frustrated, uh, they did not get frustrated with each other, but they got frustrated at the, just the, the difficulty of the circumstances they were under. That perspective allows people to deal with enormous amount of pressure and with the most difficult conflicts and to still hang in there and to make headway and not to have either the relationship or the process break down to the point where they can't get things done and get them done well. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Diana. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to do it. I've been talking with Diana McLean-Smith, author of The Elephant in the Room, How Relationships Make or Break the Success of Leaders and Organizations. For more information on this or other Josie Bass titles, go to josiebass.com. To find out more about this title and all Josie Bass publications, please visit www.josiebass.com. That's J-O-S-S-E-Y-B-A-S-S dot com.